So, as many of you probably know, this past Friday, the, it finally happened. The Supreme Court actually overturned the 50-year-old decision that enshrined abortion as a right. And it's now no longer a right uh, within the United States, which allows individual states to pass whatever laws they'd like, uh, whether they want to permit it or prohibit it. Um, of course, we knew this outcome was pretty much uh, predictable, as, as we discussed, the uh, unusual leak of the decision uh, preceding the uh, actual release this past Friday. So about a month and a half ago, we already knew where this was going. And in fact, we began discussing this topic then. We, uh, we went through two parts and never got close to the conclusion. And then things moved on. But now that the, the item is back in the news, and of course everyone has to express the reaction, whether they're overjoyed, whether they're uh, depressed, so it made sense that, how can, really, how can we not go back to this topic and, and bring it to its conclusion? Small problem is, is that when you prepare a subject, uh, share a discussion on something like this, you have to go through uh, perhaps dozens of mechanics and you build this, you have this concept building up in your head. And once, you, uh, once some time elapses and you move on, if it's not written down, sometimes it's hard to uh, reconstruct everything that uh, I was originally thinking of, but uh, we'll try our best. Um, so we had, last we spoke, I'm gonna, like we did the previous time, I'll mention some points we already mentioned, add some additional details, because by the nature of things, we, these sources are never really collected properly before. So as we go along, additional sources accumulate. So we were discussing before Lag Baimer, about the question specifically as to the intersection, how do we, uh, you have halacha, you have common law, how do, we, how do we view the means by which they intersect, they overlap, what's our position when Torah has something to say, seemingly, about how the law should be? So, specifically, this is an abortion question, but it's also a more general question that can apply to other things as well, as, as we discussed. So just to go over some of the things, and add a few more details. I, I discussed about Tafshin Lamed Gimel. I mentioned that there's seemingly a lack of a reaction in 1973 to the decision then. I said perhaps uh, the Rabbanim were occupied with a different controversy at the time with the Mamzerim. Uh, I mentioned this is one line from the Rebbe from Tafshin Lamed Gimel about Sizdacha Demokratia. It's unclear. The Rebbe seems to be talking about Eretz Yisrael, but what was going on in Eretz Yisrael at the time? I said, you know, discussed that Eretz Yisrael had a law that was passed in stages a few years later, but Tafshin Lamed Gimel seems a bit early to be discussing that. So someone did send me a few articles from that period of time, March 1973, Mamash, around the time of the Sikha. And in fact, there was a committee in the Knesset that was already discussing uh, potential changes to the Chokah Palot. So it was holding at really, really early stages, but it was being discussed, it was in the news at the time. So perhaps that would mean that there is some, uh, some basis, some, something was going on that the Rebbe could have been referencing. Happens to be at the Sikhs a week before that article that I saw, which you know, sometimes the Rebbe spoke about things before they went public. Or uh, still though, the Sikha seems to be referring, referencing uh, an existing law that's permissive and that surely wasn't the case, so we can still uh, ponder that. Um, 
But here's, a, here's an additional point, Tafshin Lamet, 1970. Uh, you may have seen the last couple of days or weeks, there's this new project being malakit, the Rebbe's shittas, uh, opinions, statements, stances on, uh, on matters that are of uh, current, you know, current events, current interest. So there was this leaklet that was posted going around, the Rebbe on abortion. Now, most of the Likud comprises of uh, personal minus at the Rebbe, you know, when the Rebbe was addressing individual people with a question, what should they do, which I already addressed right at the beginning. I said, I'm not getting into those minus. You can find those minus in different places. You can find them here now. They're very sharp, as we know. The question is, what does that tell us really about the question that I'm talking about, which is, how do we feel about these laws? And this Likud doesn't really focus on that, which, you know, the, the Likud is uh, inherently, it's nice to be malakit things, but sometimes uh, focusing too much on one thing can create uh, an incorrect impression. So that's why I would suggest considering, taking into consideration these other Mekaitis about the Rebbe's involvement or lack of involvement with uh, actual laws. But I did find one good thing from this Likud, a very interesting and actual reference in the Rebbe to an abortion law that was fairly unknown. Right, so like I said, we don't have, seemingly there's no, no reaction in 1973. But the question maybe we should have been asking ourselves is, what is the history of abortion locally in New York? Because that is probably a lot more directly relevant to the Jewish community here, located here, which is obviously a very, very large Jewish community. So it turns out that the law in New York changed in 1970. And at the time, someone did mention that the Rebbe had something to say about it. Uh, so I did look up a bit of the, the details in the history. So if you look through the articles from 1970, New York Times. So in April 11, they report final approval of abortion bill voted in Albany. The state Senate voted 31 to 26 to accept an assembly bill that strikes the state's 140-year-old abortion law from the books. At the time, the Catholics were the main opponents, so the Catholics condemned it. That's as far as uh, religious leaders are quoted in this article. Um, this was a, a bitter campaign that started in 1966 by a particular assemblyman who was fighting to reform the old uh, law from 1830 that permits an abortion only to save a woman's life. And with this uh, passing, with passing this law, New York joined a growing number of states that were beginning to pass laws like this at the time. It started with Colorado in 1967, so a bit of the, the local state history before the Supreme Court got involved. Um, the next day, the New York Times reports that the governor, Rockefeller, signed the bill. He resisted calls not to sign it. Uh, and then a bit later, July 1st, the headline is, state's liberal abortion law takes effect today because that's how it was passed. It was meant to take effect in the beginning of July. And it's described as the nation's most liberal abortion law goes into effect in New York, sta New York State today amid controversy, that, that. And there are many other interesting details for those interested in the history if you look the coverage up. So Hamar, which is one of these publications, these journals that were published at the time. So the Hamar of Thomas Tafshalam, Thomas July. So we find an article by someone by the name of Rav Yosef David Liner who wrote the sort of uh, an opinion piece, a response. So he writes, we know that starting this July, uh, hospitals in New York can now uh, perform abortions up to 24 weeks. Well, he says, well, Pella, it's surprising that in all the Knusseh HaRabbanim of Chedesh Sivan, nobody spoke up, no one's uh, protesting, no one's condemning. Uh, 
says, I will give Rabbi Meir Cohen the manal of a good Sarabanim credit because he did publicize in the New York Times on July 2nd. So before I say what he's quoted as saying, I actually tried to look it up. Didn't manage to find it, but I did find an article from two days earlier, or three, July 20, uh, June 29th. So in an article, in the coverage, so towards the end of the article, it says, they write, Jews were advised yesterday by a spokesman for Orthodox rabbis that, quote, Torah law prohibits abortions. The statement was made by Rabbi Meir Cohen, Executive Director of the Union of Orthodox Rabbis, that's the Goodness Rabbanim. Rabbi Cohen said that, quote, in case of a woman's serious illness, competent Orthodox rabbinical authorities should be consulted, end quote, before a decision was made on whether she should have an abortion. So that's what, so the form of that, either it was also perhaps published as an ad, but he's referring to the statement. So he says, oh, at least Rabbi Cohen Taka said that a woman should ask her of, because as we know, there might be situations where you can get a hatter, but you can't just assume it's okay. Rabbi Liner continues and he says, you shouldn't say, well, well why do we care? Uh, from a yid, won't do it anyway. Uh, if he does it to a non-Jew, okay. And if the non-Jew does it, why, why, why is it our concern? He says, no, not true. The Rambam says, even for an Uber, he's a Mitzayin to Sefer that talks about it. And he adds, and this is the key paragraph, there's a senator, in, a state senator in the Bronx, who learned in yeshiva, and he's an anical uh, descendant of Wamlon Rabbanim, and his father was a doctor. Lots of uh, detail. He dominates in the Shtibel, and he attends Rabbi Soloveitchik's uh, Tuesday night shir. I looked it up a little bit for a minute, and perhaps it's referring to a state senator for the Bronx by the name of Abraham Bernstein. Might be a match. And this individual asked the that he needs to, he has to give a, you know, present the perspective, have a take a stance in Albany. So he asked, he spoke to the rabbi. So the rabbi said, what do you mean? Of course. <laughs> Obviously, it's not, uh, not okay. And it says, Chaval, that I read later in the paper that uh, it's not like he listened to the rabbi. Apparently, he voted for the bill. So this is the source that, uh, that I found, that they were assigned to, that I investigated. So what, we, what do we see from here? We see a number of things. So, um, Number one, some people spoke up in 1970, like Rabbi Liner. At the same time, he says that most Rabbanim were not reacting to it, didn't uh, engender a strong reaction. Uh, number three, that Agudas Rabbanim did put out a statement, although based on the portion of the statement that I saw, it actually sounds a lot more like it's directed towards the Jewish community. Clarification, the law is changing, this is what the Jewish community should know. Doesn't mean that it's mutter now, you still have to speak to a Rav. That's, and it, that, that, which was released the day before it went into effect. That's very different than putting out a statement uh, on the political uh, process or the political decision or voicing an opinion about the law. And number four, that at the time it was known that someone had asked the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said, the Rapashat. But it's not really a Chiddush that, you know, were the Rebbe to be asked this, that the Rebbe would answer this way. But I think it still emphasizes that, firstly, the Rebbe only seemingly answered when he was asked directly. Even in the response, the Rebbe isn't uh, described as being agitated about the situation. And still, that's the only thing we've heard so far. So it doesn't appear as if the Rebbe and other Rabbanim at the time reacted to this as if, as if this was some kind of political, religious disaster that we need to scream about. 
On the other hand, one can ask when the Jewish community, whether there was a certain point in time, whether there was a certain date when the Jewish community began feeling more confident about speaking out about laws, and perhaps up until a certain point it really wasn't uh, accepted. So there are other considerations to consider. Um, spoke about uh, the reaction from the Rebbe to the Israeli law. Uh, spoke about Agudas Israel's stance in subsequent years and how they do have an opinion, although they're not looking to enforce Jewish law, for, but for whatever reason they feel like they're happy that the, this decision is overturned. Maybe they feel it's somewhat threatening to the Jewish community somehow. Another thing I want to correct a bit, uh, I quoted two Makaitas from the Rebbe, where the Rebbe says explicitly that Yidin Jews have a certain responsibility for non-Jewish practice in this area. And both were rather, uh, uh, in a very short period of time, within a short period of time. One was Shlach Tavshin Mem, and one was a Yechidus with the Sadegar Rebbe at the time, Dal Tamas. Now, I quoted that discussion with the Sadegar a particular way, the way it was printed in Yiddish, and the Hesophist to Sichas Kaidash. You sort of assume that it's probably a direct transcript, if it's a weekday. But last uh, day, a few days, last week or so, there was a video going around with seemingly the actual audio and a transcript of that. And the Lushen there is a bit different, so I'll quote it. The, the Lushen, as it's written, as you can hear it, is essentially, Aber al-Pidin is a yid turnit and as a ben noyach zel praven, zolm praven hapolis. Nisht pashutin, and the sort of goes over and says, Leitem din, oibses nor toloi biyadoi, oibses ein yad yisrael takifa kemen garnish nishton, beshasov, yad yisrael takifa vi and eretz yisrael, tara yidne tzulazen, as sozazana hapalaf and an arabish and kind, while das is enough and the sheva mitzvah bene noyach. So, uh, I didn't have a chance to look up the audio myself and investigate and see if there are other differences of, of importance, of interest. But there's this whole additional element here in the exact quote about Interesting that Rebbe says, maybe that's its own discussion. But I would point out it's just as interesting that the Rebbe says, which uh, maybe has some bearing on this discussion as well. Another thing that was pointed out to me, Herani Chacham Echad, that there's a very interesting letter from the Rebbe, from Hanukkah Tav Shemem Beis, to someone who was a younger man at the time in Australia, and he had submitted to the Rebbe a, a project, he was writing up Sheva Mitzvahs in English, something to publicize for the Gentile world. The Rebbe writes, I, in Saim Neskabel, the thing you wrote about Zayim Mitzvahs B'nai Nayach, it's a letter, it's a Nuchtav B'tzideh, at the end of a letter. We have the image of the letter, it's out there. The Rebbe says, I'm a skana, take from My instant, my immediate, instantaneous reaction is that the impression you get is as long as you keep to the seven, the message seems to be that you can do anything else. You can run uh, roughshod, if that's the expression, over uh, society, as long as you're keeping to Shemitz It doesn't sound very good. Or, the woman leaves her husband. So maybe it's implied they might not be considered married anymore. So guy jumps in and takes advantage and uh, in society that wouldn't be considered a very nice, uh, reasonable thing to do. But uh, the guy has the Shem Mitzvah's book and he says, look, says it's fine. How's that going to look? How does that sound? So I was very, being very sensitive to these types of considerations. And then 
The next thing, V'chein ha'adgosha b'chiluk shebein b'nei Yisrael or b'nei Noach or b'frat bo'enish misa. The distinction between Jews and non-Jews, specifically about the death penalty, Muvan ha'reishem b'im yipar lidei b'nei Noach v'kal. You can imagine the impact, the impression people will get if non-Jews discover this. K'day sh'yevair kol ha'tevsim. You should just eradicate all the copies of this work. Very, very sharp response. We know that Eva rejected, shot down many different uh, Shemitah's proposals, but this is one of them and this specific response. So the first point is also very interesting, that Eva seems to be sensitive to uh, contemporary values to one extent or another. But the, particularly the second point that the Rebbe is saying that you can't, you can't bring this into the discussion in the uh, public arena, the Rebbe seems to be emphasizing the problem being that there's a distinction, but the idea that you can tell people that this is Aser and it's Chiv Misa, it's totally wrong. So that also seems relevant to the kind of stance that we're even able to take if we have these types of limitations. Now some people pointed out to me that there's also a famous sikh from the Rebbe from Purim Tafshim and Vav about a, a subject that, uh, well, we know this, the, someone uploaded the sikh to YouTube and it was removed, so I don't know if I can uh, spell it out, but about certain behavioral lifestyles that were being normalized and the Rebbe was uh, taking a different stance. Um, not everyone knows that this uh, sikh, the background to the sikh was an actual law that was uh, being passed at the time by the New York City Council here in the city. They were essentially passing a rights bill that would uh, prohibit uh, discrimination on the basis of this lifestyle. And the, the lawmaker, the councilman leading the opposition to the bill was, uh, I would say, a Haredi, a from Yid, from Bar Park, I think. And from what I've heard over the years, it seems like he had been in touch with the Rebbe, and the Rebbe essentially said the Sikha and then released the Sikha uh, in conjunction with that. So it's seeming, seemingly the Rebbe did uh, get involved uh, with the law uh, and, and seemingly something that has to do with what Torah has to say. But I would point out to this, number one, the Sikha does not actually, as far as I could tell, invoke Torah or, or Sheva Mitzvahs. The Rebbe was just focusing on the, uh, what the Rebbe is discussing, was abnormal, etc. Number two, it is a very extremely local law, so maybe there's a distinction between a local law of the city versus the state and beyond. Uh, number three, there was a Frum representative who wanted to represent the Frum community and he has to take a stance. So, and and the, perhaps they thought there was a chance that he can actually uh, succeed. So that's different, there's, a, uh, there's direct involvement with someone who's involved. And uh, number four, it's possible that the Rebbe from community felt that passing uh, a bill like this would have a direct effect on the Frum community. Perhaps the Frum community won't be able to discriminate uh, when it comes to hiring in the Moistus. Etc. So therefore, I still think that this is still a Yitzim and a Klal, the exception that proves the rule. But of course, everyone's welcome to look into this further. Purim Tavshim and Vav. It was this the Hanacha in the Teres Menachem Svaridius, and Rebbe released it in English with multiple Hagos. The Hagos have been published as well. You can find it online on Sichus in English, etc. Um, another potential idea that I wanted to look into, but I didn't really get around to as much as I wanted, was the Rebbe, we know the Rebbe, the, that the Rebbe spoke about uh, punishments, about uh, you know, jail time and things like that. And the Rebbe seemed to be taking the position that uh, every person has a purpose in this world, and just locking someone away 
doesn't uh, seem to serve that purpose. It would be interesting to determine whether the Rebbe, in this context, referred to Goyim one way or the other, because that could perhaps prove whether the Rebbe has a position on questions like the death penalty, and if, according to Sheva Mitzvah, this person really deserves to be put to death, so how do we feel about keeping them in jail, releasing them from the jail? If anybody has a stronger familiarity with the subject, I'd be happy to hear. One more point I want to add before I get to what I wanted to say is that at the, towards the end of part two, I spoke about a letter from Rav Meisha. Rav Meisha wrote a letter and it's printed in Igris Meisha, addressed to Kvoid Sar Hamedina, whoever that was, whether it was the governor or the president, about the death penalty, which was a controversy at the time, and seemingly Rav Meisha didn't really answer that clearly. Sort of spoke around the issue as opposed to speaking directly to it. So uh, one of the young Galayit here pointed out to me that there's another letter from Rav Meisha printed now in Chelek Tess, which is Chesha Mishpat Chelek Gimel Simen Hey, and the person had asked about what should our stance be on the death penalty, and Ramesha wrote, Chas v'shalom lanu leymar davar b'zeh, uchkafiyah chukim shenikbu ma'am shalom, ke'en yesh lam ninoig. We shouldn't get involved, they should do whatever they need to do. V'anu teishvei ha'medina sh'aranachnu chasim b'tzilom, e'en lanu la'ar, we can't object. It protects the Yidin. We daven to Hashem that it should uh, be successful in every way and they should always treat the Jews nicely. So we can't, we have to train our children that they cannot express criticism against the government, against policy. They should learn Torah and we should not get involved at all. So this letter is a lot clearer and seems to say that he had a particular stance about America in general. And I've seen someone wrote a book about Rav Meisha and the, the history to many of Rav Meisha's psakim. And there he quotes that in Darash Meisha, there's a drasha that uh, Rav Meisha, of course, was under communist rule at first. And then he was able to get out, arrived in America, till he settled down. So two years after he arrived here, he darshaned that uh, we see that many cultures have their uh, values that they try to enforce. Maybe there's some good to it, but then they enforce it by force, and uh, the results aren't that pretty. So for example, right now, Mamshalas Rusland, Mamshalas Ashkenaz, this was uh, before World War II, uh, Hitler was just getting started, uh, that uh, all, you are, all you end up with is Maybe there's a shita to begin with, but then at some point it's just the force, it's just the power without the shita and it causes a churban. So, therefore, no government should ever stick to one shita. All the government should do is make sure that people are not committing uh, you know, injustice against each other, but the government should never take uh, a stance on a shita on Rinamuna. This is what he says in this drasha. And he says, oh, United States, 150 years ago at the time, says, there's a law, shalaya constitution, shalaya ziku shum emuna v'shum shita, separation of church and state, and government's role is just to ensure that people don't harm each other, and that's, that's the model that's been successful. And we have to daven that uh, there should be matzliach. So this is a very deeply held opinion of Ramesha that America is better off if Nobody tries to enforce a strict set of values on other people. And perhaps one could say that sometimes we find, often we find the Rebbe and Ramesh tended to have similar opinions. Maybe the Rebbe's thoughts on the matter are somewhere in this general direction. 
someone just sent me an article from the Jewish press that just, uh, just came out the beginning of June uh, by Jeremy Wieters, uh, Rosh Hashiv in YU. And he also presented this way, Rav Moshe held that Rav Moshe opposed legislation in any area that might give any religion a voice in government matters. Interestingly, in this article, he sets it up as Rav Moshe against the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So it's the Lubavitcher Rebbe held, so it's Lubavitcher Rebbe says this and Rav Moshe says that. But uh, as we're pointing out, it's uh, far from accurate, seemingly, to present it that way. And Rav Moshe and the Rebbe might actually be rather closely aligned on the practical matter of government and law. Now, what did I actually want to get to? And please give me just uh, three, four minutes to try to say it, but kids, sir. The point that I wanted to say originally was that I would like to uh, raise the question as to whether there is some room within Shavu Mitzvah B'nai Nayach themselves to say that there is some latitude, there's some leeway for Goyim to adjust and change to a certain extent. So either that would mean adjusting what, what, what constitutes murder, or adjusting what the penalty for an act of murder should be so as not to end up with the statement that every person who commits an abortion, for example, is Chayev Misa. Now, I can't blame this on the Rebbe without a clear sight. I would point out, though, that you do have the Sicha, I believe it's a Balak Sicha, about the uh, loss of Lavoy. These Makaitis talking about Halacha per se, but uh, that loss of Lavoy, there'll be uh, mass destruction across the world. and. Uh, you know, obviously the other nations are, uh, are meant to be a target of that, and the Rebbe uh, speaks at length about how it's not kapshutoi, and we do find, on the one hand, the Rebbe didn't uh, appreciate apologetics, but on the other hand, sometimes the Rebbe reveals a, a deeper meaning, a deeper dimension that uh, puts things in a better light. So it would be interesting to see whether there's any usage for this type of approach in the Rebbe's words or not, but this, is, this would be the proposed idea. So I found the Chalkas Yayev, uh, big Godel, uh, big guy in Poland a hundred years ago or so. Uh, I'm not the first one to find it. It's quoted in a few other Svarim, including Rabbi Weiner's Sefer Shev Mitzvah Hashem, which really uh, encompasses all of these matters in a very nice way. I recommend uh, looking in the Sefer if you're interested in these topics. The Chalakos Yoyev has a kuntres, slightly more famous, called uh, Kaba, Tekashaisa, Tekashyasa, if you want to pronounce it. Uh, 103 Kashis. And then open questions, and anybody's welcome to try to for. Uh, many have. So he, in Chalkas Yoyev, Madura Tinyana, Simon Yudalit, says, I want to answer my own kasha. My kasha was that why do we need a pasuk for, of Shevich Dama Adam Adam to explain, to prove the Benayach Nerag Al Ubrin? Why do we need a special pasuk that Benayach is killed for abortion? He's a, he says, he's already chayev, Mishim Chabolas Imre. The Ram says that if you're chayev for Gazel, you're chayev Misa for Gazel. So certainly you're chayev Misa for Chabolas, because when you hurt someone, you also took something away from them. It's no, uh, no uh, worse than, it's not, it is worse. It's just as bad, if not worse, than, than Gazel. So if Chabolas is already chayev Misa later on, why do we need a pasuk for, uh, for Harigas uh, Ubrin? You're already chayev the mother. So he says, all But when it comes to Nerag, when Noyach Nerag, it depends which of the Shem Mitzvahs we're talking about. He says, But that's only if there's no 
secular law, if there's no dinu mishpat venimus, but if the malchus creates its own, crafts its own legislation and its own penalties for a knas, for a ganev, and the kevish schar, whatever else constitutes gzela, shuv ein chiyav ladeg because b'nei noyach are also chayav bedinim, and they made a din, and that din could override the default chiyav misa for gazel. So, that if he's Mekayim the Knas and the Din, then he's Michael. So, but that's only Ben Adam Lachaveri, he says. Avera, between Ben Adam Lamakim, Leishayach Mechila, and Shvichas Domim, he says, would be in that category, so there can't be a different Knas. Rak Misa, the Hanafa Shaladam Eni Shaloi. And uh, you need a pasuk for benayach nerek al because you would think that if the law is different, if you pass a law legalizing or saying that the penalty is something else, you would still think that maybe it's uh, your pater. So come to Zakta, no, your tight has to tell you your chayv like chabala. It's not like if it was just like chabala, chabala you could be meichel. That's why I need to tell you that it's not like chabala, that it's its own din. It's like hariga. And he's very, he thinks he writes, etc. So here you already see this idea, he's already considering this idea that, oh, maybe there are some scenarios where you can change the penalty and override with your own laws. He didn't say that regarding murder and abortion, though. The question would be, can someone come along now and expand that even further? So I happen to find one safer, not a Paisa Kadar, but there is a Rav in Hong Kong, Rabbi Netanel Oded, and he has an interesting tshuva in a safer called Mizrach Shemesh. Um, about um, in Muslim societies, they still have the concept of a girl Adam of Kaifer. The terrorist says not to accept Kaifer, but uh, they have a concept of Kaifer. You was in the news a few years ago about Pakistan. You commit a murder, you can pay blood money to the family. The family says, okay, we're good. You don't have to kill him anymore. So the question is, uh, there was a, his, his, his rabbi is of Shlema Amram Korach, who's a, a Taimani, Rav in Bnei Brak, and they had a question, the guy murdered a Yid in Taiman, and now the question is, should they just accept the blood money and let it go, or would accepting blood money mean that now your mom is going, hepech shavimitzas v'neinach, you're being hepech dinin, hepech oinash misa. So he's quoting his Rebbe's Shuvah, and his Rebbe quotes the Chalkas Yoyev to say, you see, murder, uh, the punishment is, uh, is in place, you can't override it. So, so he suggests, no, maybe not. Maybe Benayach, Shehorek Benayach, it's not Ben Adam Lamakim, maybe it's also Ben Adam Lachavedoi. Hanafah Shaladam Eina Shaloi, what the Chalkas Yoyev said, that's maybe for a year, the Yid can't be Meichel, but maybe Goyim could be Meichel. So you see that it is possible to take this idea and maybe expand it even further. So that's, uh, well, that's one point. So that's regarding the punishment. And regarding, that would be about saying whether we can modify and say maybe the, it's still lesser, but the punishment isn't as severe as the terror says, uh, seemingly. Another option would be to say that maybe there's room to even say that the Hariga is also perhaps something that we can adjust. The Mashal is a chiv the Chivas Van Hagas that I saw was quoted about whether um, assisted suicide might be okay to participate in. And uh, he, he's trying, you see that he's leaning towards saying that it might be okay. One of his Pharisees, he says, actually is the opposite. He says, oh, but you know your Chachayv miss anyway, probably. So a uh, guy comes along and says, uh, assisted suicide, ah, finally. Okay, but you see that he's uh, thinking in this direction. I also saw Rav Meisha talk, and Igris Meisha talks about Rav bin Tradin. Rav bin Tradin was being burned at the stake, and he asked the guy to uh, alleviate his pain, to, instead of slowing the death, to, 
to expedite his death. And the guy said, okay, and the, that's what happened, and the guy is, uh, is uh, we give him credit for it. Question is, he's a guy, how does he have the Rishos to do anything to be Makar of Misa? If you're doing the person a favor, then maybe it's different. Maybe Stam Ritzicha, when we speak about a guy, is Stam murder, Stam un, unreasonable, uncalled for murder. But if there's a particular context to it, maybe it's different. So maybe one could say that abortion also, if it's uh, what it says, that's where you just attack the person at random. But if the person came and uh, agreed, then maybe that would be different according to this gang. And there's also additionally, finally, there is a concept of chukas hamelach, the idea that the king has his own uh, system of laws that he can enforce, and particularly he has the power to put other people to death. So at least one might consider, maybe a little whimsically, that maybe the, the melech or the government in his place can uh, be mafkia, the lives of a uh, class of uh, individuals if they feel that's for the benefit of the Medina. So this is just all a potential line of thought that people might want to consider. With this we conclude for now. Good Shabbos. Thank you for your patience.